0: You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class.
1: Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights.
0: Welcome to this week's show. I'm thrilled to have with me today an old friend and someone who's one of the world's leading exponents on talking about leadership and making sense of what it takes to be a good leader in today's crazy world. It's Mark Fritz. Good day to you, Mark. Hey, Rob. Good to see you. Mark, you and I have uh, crossed swords many times. You've been a a guest on the show many times. It's always good to have you on because you're constantly moving and innovating and learning. And I guess that's reflective of how leadership is changing. We're going to dive into that today. Tell us a little bit about your background, your heritage, your foundation, which credibility lends itself to when you talk about leadership
1: Well I got a great schooling early in my career I was uh, implementing enterprise systems around the world so I go over and completely change over companies Big Bang put a new system in in six to nine months and I did it in um, Egypt I did it in the Netherlands I did it in Italy and Japan so it gave me a foundation about how business works and then later in my career I led uh, operations here in Europe uh, you know various things like customer services or in IT. And also was involved in, um, in driving uh, and supporting the business transformations that were going across the company. So I think I, I know a lot about uh, a lot of different parts of the organization and everything. And, and I think what was um, my benefit is I'm able to integrate information very, very quickly across many different things. So I'm maybe a slow learner, but once I learn it, I can integrate it fast as anybody, I think. <laughs>
0: And our co- our audience here is accounting and finance professionals in the fintech industry that surrounds them. But you would maintain, I guess, that leadership is the same the world over. The principles are the same. The tenets are the same. The approaches are the same. You just got to apply it to your situation. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all the best leaders have very, very good core leadership skills. Uh, and um, and they apply them to the situation they have. But it's really interesting, you know, you don't get to choose the leader you need to be. <laughs> you, you choose, <laughs> your people tell you who you need to be to get the best out of them. So I found that uh, we all have to adapt going into every different uh, leadership situation because our goal is to get the best out of who we have. And if we don't have the right people, we get the right people on the bus. We're
0: going to talk today about micromanaging and hiring as leaders, being a role model, ownership in leadership. Just to give us a little bit of context, what kind of shape is leadership in generally, Mark? You address big corporate organizations all over the world. Are we in good shape? Have we got a handle on it in these crazy times?
1: Well, I think I think the, <laughs> the pandemic triggered whether we're good at leaders or not, because- <laughs> All the the old school leaders were saying, "Hey, how do I know what they're doing if they're achieving things? You know, can I measure when they're on the computer and these type of things?" So I think you know the the need for leadership is uh, is at its highest level it's ever been, uh, particularly with leading across the generations and 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 what what we need to do to get the best out of our people. So you know, I, I think I think leadership. Um, uh, is 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 evolving now too? But you think of it another way. You know, the leaders of today, they role models, didn't have the situation that we have today. You know, you pick up things from your early leaders, and you you tend to stick with certain things at work. So I found that the, our goal now is to really be the best role models we can be, so we pull through the best people in the future too.
0: Why is it important? to be a role model as a leader for your people. Because I've had leaders over me in the past and thought I could never be like you. I would never want to be like you. Your weapons, your skills, your blend of attributes, characteristics is different to mine. So I would do it different to you. But role modeling, there must be some, some things we can make an example.
1: Of. Absolutely. It's it's core habits that, that we really have to, to take on. You know, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. When I lived in Japan uh and the first couple of weeks i didn't know anything of the language and a lady would come through pushing a, a cart selling teas and coffees and she brought a young girl with her and the girl happened to be her daughter and uh, she didn't know how to say daughter in english i didn't know how to say daughter in japanese so she said this is my copy <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah. but you know i mean generally when we're too busy on anything we copy what we see and 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 if it's working for our boss we tend to copy those things but what I found is um, the very best leaders are are very very good listeners right so you know if you think about it they're more orchestra conductor than uh, than uh, than a micromanager and 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 they're trying to to get and use the capabilities in their people the potential in their people uh, to get things done you know I often have a phrase I use in in my leadership training you know if you don't have a who, the who is always you. <laughs> that makes good sense and so we need to engage our people much more much faster and i think that the very best leaders are very forward thinking and and they're bringing their people along into conversations and everything earlier on so that it feels like uh theirs it feels like their people's it doesn't feel like the bosses one of
0: the flaws with what you're saying mark is remote working how do you drive culture when people are not in the office? How do you copy and emulate leaders when you're not walking the corridors with them, when you, you've not got your copy, if you like, serving the teas and coffees and learning the ways of the job? That's how traditionally we've grown and been mentored in a role.
1: Yeah, you make a good point there. That's why, you know, if you're going to be very effective in remote work, it's not just formal meetings when you're interacting. You have to interact in between it. Um, it's interesting, you know, gosh, it's over 24 years ago, I started my first virtual organization where I had people all over the place and I felt that you know my goal was to get them to pick up the phone and talk to each other so they wouldn't hide behind email they would know each other know common interests of each other they could start with their common interests create the rapport and then maybe maybe talk about the issue quickly and get it dealt with versus send emails back and forth copy in the world and everything and and those type of things so if you look at it you know and you ask anybody you say, can your organization be successful if people only follow documented processes? And they'll all say, no. It's the informal, which 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 helps people to really work together well. And I think the companies that keep some informal type of links and encourage it and sort of play the corporate matchmaker to get people to, to talk to each other, um, I think they have the stronger cultures. We hear a lot about
0: trust these days, how it's at an all time low, trust in the government trust in the armed forces, trust in the judicial system, trust in the education system, trust in the health system. We don't trust people like we did. This fake news, this spin. And this plays out in the workplace in the remote scenario where you alluded to it earlier. People are not on site. You can't see what they're doing. You can't get a handle on their output so easily. And that's why some leaders tend to micromanage the people. Just unpack that a bit for us. A
1: lot of leaders micromanage, not sometimes because they, they don't trust their people. Sometimes it's also because they need to know everything to feel in control. <laughs> and that's their own personal thing. In fact, I did, you know, uh, some, I guess, 10 or, 10 or 12 sessions on leading or saying letting go. And at the beginning, I asked all the executives to write up all the things on the flip chart, why they don't let go. <laughs> and it's really interesting. 90% of them had nothing to do with their people. It had all to do with their own insecurities and, and and how they look at things. So I found that a lot of times leaders will micromanage because they need to know everything for their own personal feeling and control. And I found that leaders gain control by trusting their people and, and versus trying to know everything. So a, a good thing to think about your own leadership is think about this. Um, what is it that you don't need to know? <laughs> and you're still in control because if you want to know everything, it's human nature. Once we know something, we want to control it. We want to manage it. And so I think that's a real, real key as well. And I think you know you gain the trust of your people by listening and asking the right questions. So if you're just asking, did you complete this activity? You don't learn anything about that person. But if you say, hey, this is what we need to achieve. What's the first couple steps you're gonna to do to get started? How's it gonna be your approach? Now their answers reveal to you if you can trust them or not. So we have to ask questions at a higher level because we our questions also ensure that we can trust that they're going to do the right thing. We just can't talk. We can't ask them about, did you complete this? Because we don't learn anything.
0: Talk to us about imposter syndrome, Mark. We've had a lot of people thrust into leadership roles. There's been a great shift in the labor market. Leaders have come and gone. Baby boomers have retired and moved on. The generations are moving up. We get reluctant leaders and some that really desire it. But it, it, wherever you're at, there's that sense of "Am I good enough?" and "Do I know everything I need to know?"
1: I mean, that that's built into us as humans. <laughs> you know, we're always thinking. You know, do we need to improve and so forth? And I think you know, if you ask even top CEOs, they all have an element uh, of that as well. I think the the biggest thing I found in in people overcoming this type of things, it's not that you have some doubts. It's that your confidence is greater than your doubts, (laughs) right? And I think the very best of them, they gain their confidence with action. Your focus, your focus on achieving and making progress and so forth. And it's the progress that keeps your confidence high. It's the leaders who who stop taking action or are uncertain. They start their spinning in their head where now that imposter syndrome has slowed them down to a point where it's hurting them. Do
0: you maintain, Mark, that part of being a good leader is actually being a good team player because everyone's got a boss, a boss above them. So managing your own boss, managing the people above you, that's a key part of it too, isn't it? So you understand.
1: You know, it, it's part of, um, of how you manage expectations. So you think about today's world. If you ask everybody, can you complete everything on your do, to-do list? Can you do all the things that you should be doing? And it's no. And I was talking to, uh, to a guy I, I coach in, in uh, southern Spain who manages a resort. And I was asking him how, when you got started, you know, what were the key things you focused on? And he says, you know, I focused on certainly the customers, the clients, I focused on the staff, but I also focused on the owners and made it very clear what I could achieve and what I couldn't achieve. So I think a lot of times leaders get into trouble because they just don't manage the expectations (laughs) of the world around them. And we clearly know that expectations have gone through the roof.
0: If you look at accountants, for example, having to navigate the myriad of changing regulations and finance functions and tax and everything else. So accountants are placed there as the trusted advisor to businesses. They feel they have to know everything, uh, but it's difficult to get a handle on all the things you need to know, but people lean into them a lot.
1: Exactly. And and I don't think it's a weakness to not know. It's a weakness to not who knows, to know who knows, right? And I I think the other key thing I found with very good leaders is there's, there's, there's just so much to do. But if you ask them, what are your top one to three things that you need to focus on that's going to move your organization forward? They have that top of mind, right? So 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 they balance off all the things that are hitting them and saying, is this as important as those top three? If it's not, it's got to be a lower priority. I had a great story on a podcast about,
0: there's a guy who owned a McDonald's store, one of the busiest in the world. And it's, I believe, in Chicago. And his regional manager was visiting him on a day that everything was going wrong. There were people queuing outside the door. The soda machines were breaking down. The lines were getting longer. And this manager, this owner of this particular branch of McDonald's, was getting in there and flipping burgers and trying to do everything. And, and he pulled him out. this regional guy and said right just take a look around right now look at this chaos what should we do first where is the biggest queue where is the most angst and it turns out that one of the drinks machines was empty so people were then queuing up at the other drinks machine and that was forming more queues and he saw. he said right what are you going to do he said "Right, i'm going to get i'm going to pull someone off something and get them on that job and once that got nailed he said right what's next and just taking him out of the situation it was a priceless
1: lesson. That's it. That's interesting you say that because, you know, you think about it. If you're consumed by all the details and everything, you're losing perspective. And without perspective, if the leader loses perspective, it's really trouble because they're basically pointing the direction of the bus. And so the bus could be stopping because they're not sure what to do and so forth. So I think, you know, that's a real key one is, is how do you keep perspective? You know, if you look at it another way, we all enter the same world every day. It's it's not a different world. The same world is out there. It's just our own perspective that frames what we can accomplish or what we can't accomplish.
0: Explain to us, Mark, the difference between a tactical leader and a strategic leader. A lot of people I see getting leadership wrong, their heads down, too much in the operational stuff in their immediate sphere of influence and they're not lifting their head up and being that more of a navigator and a a visionary and a strategist.
1: I think, you know, the the biggest difference I see oftentimes is it's, uh, you know, if the leaders, the strategic leaders are are working with W and uh, the tactical leaders and the micromanagers with the H. In other words, strategic leaders, it's, you know, where are we going? Why are we going there? What do we need to do? The micromanager, the tactical is too much on the how. You can always find some a who to help you with the how. But if you're not really clear on what, why, and when, and where you're going, uh, then you know, all the help you get won't help you if you're not in the right direction and if you're not focused on, do- on getting there. So I-, I-, I think the real key is um, the leaders have to stay away from the how, let their people own the how, uh, coach them on that, but really be very, very clear on where and why. You've worked with a lot of sectors, professional services. I'm
0: just wondering if they're any different to anyone else. What we do know about high-level bankers, lawyers, accountants in their profession is they study very hard for the qualifications and their accreditations, and technically they're top of the game. But when it comes to what happens after they qualify, that self-development, personal development, coaching, mentoring, the way they develop themselves, that's often falling because they feel they just need to stay on the right side of regulatory changes and compliance
1: if you look at it you know you can't live life fast enough uh to 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 just leverage your own experiences to grow fast you have to leverage the life experience of others so it's the books you read the people you meet that help you to to grow faster the interesting thing about professional services is is yes you're giving some expertise but often what people remember is the experience right so if you think about it you know the best thing that the professional service can do is what is the context by which we want people want to deliver this particular service what is the experience we overall want to provide because what's remembered is not the specific advice you gave, it's the experience they had and and how it helped them. So I found, you know, look at it another way. Leaders are the context providers, right? They create the context by which their people do the work. And, you know, if you're not just focusing and framing a context around it, you know, this is why we're doing it. We're going to use your potential. We're going to make a difference here. We're going to make this impact. If you don't create a context, people make up their own context, (laughs) (laughs) And you know, have no idea what is hitting them that day, in terms of they've had a bad day, and then they look at everything you're providing with with a cynical view. So I think, you know, we need to frame the context around the experience we want to deliver with others. I'd love to have you back,
0: Mark, record another episode for one of our talent specials to dive a little bit into culture and vision, and why people leave jobs and why people join certain organizations. But I want to focus for the rest of this episode on ownership. You're very big on ownership in leadership, aren't you?
1: Yeah, because I I feel, you know, think about this. If you delegate an activity for your people to do, um, you know, they don't own the achievement. They only own the activity and they're doing it for you. So I found that we need to really think and speak in outcomes, getting people to own outcomes, asking them how they're going to go make it happen. And getting them to really feel ownership for the achievement. In other words, you know, you're going to feel much more pride in, in an achievement than in completing an activity. And our goal is to make it feel theirs. And I think, you know, framing things in a way that we trust them to figure out a way to achieve it. If we don't trust them, we ask them more questions to help guide them. But it's really important to, for them to own the achievement. Because if they own the achievement, they own the problems in the way of achieving it.
0: <laughs> Can you talk us through a couple of examples or scenarios to bring out the importance of ownership for leaders, Mark?
1: Well, well the key thing is, is if you're just telling your people what to do and it doesn't work, they're not going to try and find a different way. They're just going to come back to you and say, OK, this didn't work. Tell me something different. And I think what I found with, um, with leaders is, uh, micromanagers, they try to tell their people what to do or if they ask them questions, they say, what's the best thing to do? And you know, think about it as a leader, if you don't like their answer, you have to tell them anyway. <laughs> yes. And so I found that the very best leaders are more coaches and a better way to say it is kind of like what options do you think we have here? And then as a leader, you can coach them to what could be the best option. So I, I really think it's it's a matter of of um, getting your people talking versus you talking. Uh, I'll give you an instance. You know, when I was leading here in Europe, I often traveled to various places of subsidiaries. And I always asked the general manager ahead of time, who are your superstars? I took the top superstar salesperson out to lunch in one country. And she said something that never left me. She said, I owe all my success in sales to one phrase. If the customer or prospect is talking, I'm winning. <laughs> They're selling themselves, right? If, if you're asking the right questions and you're getting your people talking, the solution is going to be theirs. If it's theirs, the problems in the way of those solutions are also theirs as well. I remember the story
0: of a New York detective who had the best conversion, conviction rate from interviewing suspects. And he was once asked the secret of why he had so much success in the interview room. And he said, it's easy. When a suspect is talking, I never give them a reason to stop. But that wanting to be in control, and there's a certain amount of ego in leadership in doing most of the talking, owning the narrative, being strong on the dialogue and shaping the direction That's the mark that some leaders feel is a measure of their success, but it's not.
1: Well, you can do the same thing. It's just that you're asking questions in the right sequence and you're guiding people. Because in a conversation, it's the person who's asking the questions that's really in control, not the person answering. At the end of the conversation, they're going to have a much more better memory of that conversation because they did most of the talking, right? And uh, if we're always talking as a leader, uh, we're not learning either. And, and if, you're, if you're doing all the talking, you're not learning how you can trust your people and how much you can trust your people because you're not allowing them to talk at all.
0: I'm going to ask you to finish in a moment, Mark, with uh, if leaders sh- perhaps should focus on one skill to be a better leader, what would that be? For right now, if our accounting professionals listening want to get a little bit more of the stuff you do, I know you have a lot of online resources where's a good place to direct them
1: i, I think come to uh, markfritzonline.com and i have a, now a, a new daily reminders web app that you could download and get some interesting things each day and so forth yeah it's a drip
0: drip drip isn't it mark you don't wake up and watch one webinar read one book ah. or listen to one podcast and become a fantastic leader
1: no no you got to remind yourself to so that you be able to do it more consistently yeah but to answer your question on the number one thing i think there's uh, there's something that that you really need to think about and become better at is you have to have strategic patience. Okay. The very best leaders, they want it done yesterday, right. right? You're very impatient, but if you don't listen to your people at the right time, they don't leave with a good feeling, right? And I found there's times when we just have to sit and listen in an extra few minutes for our people to feel confident going away and it's theirs. And I, I think, you know, uh, in today's world, it's so busy, We're always trying to do things in the shortest amount of time, but and and we have to listen to our people. We can't listen forever, but we have to listen at the right times when it's going to mean the most for them. Are
0: you hopeful for the future of leadership? Mark and our ability to cope with a, a rapidly changing world.
1: Oh, I, I think it's 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 going to have to improve that way and, and, and so forth. I think the the other thing is is really I think we have to change how we develop leaders and it, it's not just training but it's also really a lot more mentoring, a lot more uh, uh you know helping each other. And what I found I do peer coaching at the end of my sessions where I get people together and first I ask them what's your biggest takeaways from here. And then I pair them up in twos or threes, whatever. And I'd say, now, share what you're taking away and help each other with how you can action it. I think if we help each other as leaders too, it's it's we're all going to improve our leadership skills much, much faster. So I think there's not one thing that's going to do it. It's getting the combination right that's going to grow our leaders faster. My
0: friends, that's been a joy. Thanks so much for your time and your insights again. Today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast.
1: Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring.